0: You're listening to Why We Do What We Do.
1: All right. Uh, so, hey everyone, this is uh, this is Abraham, and I'm like, uh, I'll like be your host today.
0: <laughs> and this is Ryan O. And uh, yeah, welcome.
1: Yeah. So, like, uh, we're gonna be talking about um <laughs> some. On.
0: All right. So, if you can tell, something a little bit different this week.
1: Yeah, so I am, uh, Mir- that's funny, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I'm going to have to leave that in there, I guess. Yeah. So Miranda and I are two of the people that are often doing a lot of the editing of these episodes, and when we're doing the editing, it really came to my attention how often I was choosing to edit out how, when we say um and uh and like when it's decontextualized and things like that, and realized that this was something that would, might that might actually be really interesting to talk about. <laughs> and one of the things I was thinking about is why do I feel the need to get rid of these ums, uhs, likes and stuff like that? Uh, and then also on top of that, why do we do the those Awful sounds. How often does it really occur? Which I can tell you from someone who edits these. It's quite a bit. <laughs> and do other people even notice it when we do it? And so, in the interest of these questions and the purpose of this episode, and not because I'm lazy, because I thought it would actually be kind of fun and challenging to force us to con to, to confront this is I'm not going to edit out these uhs, ums, and likes during this episode. So I hope that doesn't drive you crazy for those of you who listen to it. And probably you'll catch it more now than you would have if I hadn't said anything. I'll still still do the regular cuts where we cough and make noises that don't need to be there. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to count how many times that we do these ums, uhs, and likes throughout the episode. And then when I'm doing the post-production, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to report in what the count was for how many there actually were. And I'll do like a total count and then which ones we did the most of, and I might even break it down by person (laughs) or something. So this should be fun, and I'm excited to talk about it, and I've already really modified how I approach talking about these things to try and reduce it, partially because I hate editing them out because they take so long, and also because I wanna create a good listening experience for you, and that's part of the reason that I edit them out, so. Let's get into this, Ryan.
0: <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with what is, what is the, what are these like things when we actually talk about it in like lay terms, right? Like what are they? Yeah.
1: So, uh, I've heard some people talk about them as these like vocal or verbal flotsam or garbage, just these, uh, this uh, vocal garbage, I guess is, a, is how people put it.
0: I think that's a little harsh. I mean, I've always thought thought of them as uh, just filler words.
1: Yeah. And that's actually how most people in in the research talk about it is just these fillers. They're mostly fillers and what that means is they don't actually contribute to the meaning of what you're saying and they don't even necessarily have a functional purpose in your communication although they do and we'll get to that yeah I was um, gonna say
0: some people argue that they do
1: they, yeah and I think that that's they, they make a good point and we'll get we'll get we'll talk about what those are but the they talk about these in terms of they're just like fluff oh, I did it right there it's fluff <laughs> that just it, it exists and it's it sits in between the meaningful things that we have to say
0: so the next question we why does it actually matter and i've seen a few different reasons one that i've been hit with a lot i've done a lot of public speaking i'm not that great at it i'm getting better (laughs) at it um there it is (laughs) yeah is that it's signs of a i'll use these in quotes like weak or disfluent like not fluent and you know kind of polished speaker
1: and it might even suggest to some that you are not confident in what you're saying or you're not really sure what you're saying actually in movies a lot of the time they'll depict someone who you know is a character who's lying about something or they want to convey to you that they're lying they'll say um and uh and they'll stutter a lot they'll say oh i uh you know i I was I was doing this thing, you know. Uh, I, I and so immediately, as an audience member, picking up on they must not be telling the truth, or they don't really know what they're talking about because they're just using all these filler words.
0: Yeah, and then the other reason it matters is uh, I'm going to notice those a lot. Right. I don't go through the editing process, so this is like me going through the editing process in the moment. For <laughs> <listeners>. <laughs> um, so
1: <laughs> typically,
0: that. typically we're told like. To remove it from your vocabulary, especially yeah. in the speaking realm. Right, right. Uh,
1: people, especially if you're going to be on video or on TV or something, that, and you'll notice in movies, they're really good about not having these fillers in a lot of what they say. And sometimes they will, but when they do, they often do it very intentionally. And so it's, they really are just focused on the get rid of it, get it out of your vocabulary, reduce it, reduce the number of instances, and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Just reducing something on its own is kind of difficult. You it need is. to have some sort of filler, usually uh, a filler for a filler word.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's missing the part of you are you're still going to want to use those filler words. So what do you do instead? Cool. So there's a
0: couple things here. I want to get into the history and could we track that down as well as like how often, what are some data and stats around this sort of thing? Okay, so we're All traveling right. back in time. So yeah, we're going to travel down. back in time. A DeLorean. And
1: you're familiar with, uh, uh, what's that movie, Back to the Future, right? <laughs> I've no. watched Back to the Future. No, I just don't, don't know t- these things. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, we're getting back on a DeLorean and you're just going to figure it out on the ride. <laughs> <laughs> I do
0: not. I just, I'm not in the movie world. Sorry, a lot of pop culture. With that said, <laughs> I do read some pop uh, culture stuff when it comes to psychology. Well, that's,
1: that's good. <laughs> so I've got some that of that. here at least. <laughs> so
0: yeah, I was digging around and I found a few different dates out there. The one that I actually liked uh, after coming through a few different places was an article from mentalfloss.com, which sounds interesting. And, yeah, um, I like to floss my mental.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> But what they did is they they basically looked at the Oxford English Dictionary and they looked at things that were similar to these likes uh, as and ums, and speech hesitations like hum go back as far as 1469 in the dictionary.
1: Okay, according to this mental floss article. Yes. Okay.
0: And we also find hem, uh, as was from 1526. Ha from 1679 and er from 1862
1: so to hem and haw and er as a speaking sound yeah and the
0: progression of these i did not track down but when it came to filler words that have been marked in the dictionary these are some points in which we can kind of talk about these they do acknowledge and i would as anything that i've read there's always other uses usages before especially when it comes to like the criteria for them to become something that Gets in the Oxford English Dictionary. That well, takes years and years and years.
1: Right. Well, and something interesting I found also when I was looking up is these ums and uhs that aren't these aren't even really words but there are actually a lot of words that people use as filler which are kind of funny often such as actually and honestly i like the one that i read where they were saying so up until this point you've been honest and now you're being (laughs) honest so honestly and then you go into what you're going to say or um some other ones and i know that i use they'll say things like as a matter of fact and um another one that i say um i don't know something like that one was just a pause yeah straight silence uh, that's actually not one of these fillers, and that is one that they recommend to deal with the fillers. So all right, we'll yeah, later. we're getting ahead of
0: ourselves. Sorry. Okay. So a couple other stats, um, and these don't all fall in the same, Like, they don't all agree with each other. That's usually how these worlds work. Yeah. Um, so a few stats. People speak 120 to 150 words per minute, or about two and a half words per second, on average, One study said Now
1: About how fast do you think I speak
0: <laughs> I always joke around with Scott I think he speaks really fast I think he's always if you're listening on, if you're listening to this on one and a half speed um, he's actually just always talking one and a half speed <laughs> <laughs> always if not two times speed
1: so I'm at three, so 225 words to 300 words per minute.
0: <laughs> I would I'd be willing to bet. It'd be fun to count. That would be fun. Um, now, these filler words, people apparently use about one to two filler words per hundred words used on average. And some have actually shown that we use them as often as every five seconds. So we're using these filler words. So there's a range. We're all over the place. Yeah. It The reason we have these variability is not only do different cultures use them differently, but we also... Use them individually at different rates, and what qualifies as a filler word changes as well, like and, we talked about.
1: And so, from this, do you know if it was um, in just regular conversation that people do this, or where were they getting their samples from?
0: They were looking at regular conversation, but okay. again, it's like these are very, these are like your 30,000 level view stats. Okay. Like <laughs> um, it gives you an idea sure. of how frequent. Okay. The fact that they're rooting them in observable things. I mean, they kind of have to with this topic, yeah. but I thought it was kind of cool.
1: No, that's great. I love it. You Get some real down in the dirt and sort of nitty gritty. This is how often you speak like a, I don't know, insert whatever insult there.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's some other interesting things as well. So every language has its own version. It's been claimed. I don't know all these other languages, but that makes sense. I did fact check a couple of these, um, i asked some buddies in France as well as someone that speaks Korean to check a couple of these. And so to reference those, the French has, I don't know the sound, eh, I think. Korean, I'm just going to spell these out maybe. Korean, E-U-M. The Finnish, two O's with umlaws over the top. Okay. The Russians, eh. And even sign languages have uh, a sign. for Really? Um, yes.
1: I'm just imagining your hands just sort of moving around in the air like a wheel and they're just turning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great.
0: And I don't know if this if this is specific to American Sign Language or not. Um, so I worked in a, a situation where I worked with four or five different interpreters and they actually uh, did use those OS yeah. in there. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. It's kind of cool. So I, I think that that highlights at least on the on one point that these are kind of functional things because it's similar across different languages. It's not just inherent to the language itself but in the process of communicating with other people this is something that we do that has a sort of a purpose although it might not be a great purpose yeah. <laughs> and it might not really serve our overall goals it does actually serve a, a little bit of a purpose we'll get to it in a moment i keep getting want to get to that it's one of the best parts We're almost there so okay. some
0: other overarching like research is people have found that age gender um, are two big factors as well okay so what could be factors okay what they find there so I found some
1: conflicting stuff on this. I want to see what I you did. Found.
0: Yeah, that's why I said could. So there was a research in 2005 that looked at a lot. So his name was Liberman. He parsed apparently 14,000 transcribed phone conversations. Okay. There was over 12,000 speakers. Does he worked for the NSA? <laughs> yeah, I mean it sounds like <laughs> it, right? He was definitely based in the US. Okay. And it was in 2005 and he looked at the usage of uh so he found that the usage of "uh" increases with age, but at every age, men say it more than women do. Thought that was a little interesting, um, yeah. but I also found some conflicting things that also suggested otherwise. Yes, so. so did
1: I, and I saw that there was a difference between use of the word "uh" and the word "um." And I don't know why that's an important distinction to make, but they what I saw was that men tend to say, uh, more and women tend to say, um, more. I saw some other research that said that there was not really a meaningful difference that although there was a very slight difference, it wasn't statistically significant. So it was probably just noise from the sample that they got. And then I also saw one that said that even though there was a slight difference in how often. Um, one gender says it than the other how people perceive it when they're listening to someone talk They actually notice no difference across gender or even age in how often it occurs in their speech Which gets to a point that I was uh, one of the questions I was asking at the beginning was do people notice when we say uh, um, like actually that sort of thing <laughs> you know do people catch on to that and Although this research suggests suggested that they do they don't necessarily catch on to variations in that across speakers even with respect to things like gender and age and stuff like that, which I think is kind of interesting.
0: All right, so another area of research or like thing to look at when it comes to these areas where research is kind of all over the place is I like to lock on and see like, do people, how do people's views kind of change over time? One thing that popped out was an ABC article actually um, ABC, like the... Like the ABC, yeah. Okay. Like, the
1: company or whatever? The... Yeah,
0: okay. American Broadcasting Corporation. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And they focused on the speaker and the listener in these, which I thought was really interesting because that yeah. kind of is more in tune with what we'd like to look at when we're talking about psychology. And of course, there's psychologists they're looking at, and I'm sure it's been talked about a lot of other places before then.
1: Well, Um, most people tend to look just at what the speaker is doing, which is interesting and might miss a component of that reciprocation from the other person. So I think that's really, that's a cool thing to tie in. Yeah,
0: so what I was saying is like, I'm sure it's been talked about before then, but the fact that you kind of see it in this pop culture reference is pretty cool. Yeah, totally. And that's where I wanted to focus next. Okay.
1: So the the big question is, why do we do this? Why do we use these filler words? Why do I say, um, and stuff like that? And there's actually, there's quite a few reasons. And so when I was doing these editing of our episodes, I did a little bit of a survey. But before we get into that, there is the actual research that shows that one of the reasons that people do this is that it has some effect for you as a speaker where it can signal that or for your I guess the person who's listening and for the speaker it lets them know that a delay is coming and that it's sort of a signal to say hey wait you know Um, it avoids if you're speaking it avoids there being this long silent pause that can be kind of awkward and maybe feel socially inappropriate and so it can avoid those gaps in conversation that would otherwise, people get really uncomfortable when they have to just sit in silence, um, and actually there's some research on that as well, but when you're having a conversation with someone, if someone just stops talking, and they were maybe even in the middle of a sentence, they were saying something, then it sounds more comfortable to hear some sound coming out, this uh or mm, than just silence, and so it helps sort of keep the comfort level of the conversation the the flow and the cadence of that conversation to just have sounds continue to be present. So that's one reason that we t- we do this is that it's comfortable. It sound you know it it carries the the pace of the conversation forward. Now, that gets at this point of whether or not we do that on purpose. And for the most part, I don't think that we really are intentional and not going to get into what intentions or conscious is at this point. That's It is coming, though, I promise, because that's a really fun topic to that handle. That was a
0: note that I also put in mind. I was yeah. like, I'm not getting into this right now.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, but we don't necessarily think, I'm going to say, I'm here because I want them to know that I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. No, it's actually a lot more automatic, and it's really built into how we learn to speak in the first place, that when we grow up in these cultures where that is a part of what we do, and even if we, we don't necessarily, it still allows us to have that same effect in the those conversations by having sound continue to be present and to force you to endure what it's like to not have to hear the um and uh i'm just going to pause for a second and let you listen to dead air awkward very (laughs) and maybe you heard some of the sounds of the room although there isn't much so hopefully you didn't hear too much but yeah just this idea that as soon when there's this weird sort of awkward pause, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel very good, and we wanna we want to maintain that that cadence. I've hit that point over the head now. Well, the, we just
0: we just lost half our listeners. I know, right? Of that
1: pause. Yeah, probably. So this fits inside of this notion of you're avoiding uncomfortableness. That's part of of why this works is you're avoiding the pause. And, and another thing that happens is you're avoiding losing control of the conversation. And so this is actually, I'm going to, I'm going to go into now the survey of our episodes and what I found and what I, what I discovered. And this is also, I just, I sort of anecdotally was doing this in my other conversations is that when you. When you maintain the sounds, then you maintain the one who's holding the conversation. And if everyone, anyone has ever seen the movie Fight Club, I imagine you haven't because you've never seen anything. But in the movie Fight Club, they, they talk about how are you really listening or are you just waiting for your turn to talk? And I find that that's a really profound idea that we probably do it a lot and don't necessarily know that we're doing it or... Um, Really acknowledge that a lot of times in a conversation we're just in there waiting. Okay, okay, you're talking, you're talking. When do I get to have my turn now? And um, in using these ums and us, you get to maintain your status as the active speaker in that conversation. Not necessarily acknowledging that the other person's just thinking about what they're going to say next. And it, so it kind of means, in a way, don't talk yet. I'm not done. I just need a second to gather my thoughts, or I'm, I need to figure out what I'm going to say next.
0: So I'm excited to get into this because I, like I've mentioned before, I'm not in the editing process. Right. So I don't necessarily know what's going on. I just get this clean file that I get to listen to at the end. Right. I do a lot of other stuff. I'm (laughs) not like, but. You you listen to
1: it and you're just thinking, wow, we did really good. We didn't say um at all, all. you know, it was there. Yeah. I'm like, we rocked it. (laughs) Yeah. Not my experience. (laughs) So anyway. That's one reason is that you get to maintain your your control of the conversation. Another one that I found, and one that I got really hung up on, is the word like. And we sound so much like a parody of someone talking when you say it, not us specifically, but when someone says it so much, and especially when they use it out of context. Because the word like can mean either something I prefer, or it can mean a comparison between two things, such as, in an analogy, a bird is like a plane. But when it's used in conversation not in those ways it sounds again just like that sort of word garbage in a way or filler sounds and what i really discovered when i was listening because i this is one where like isn't long enough to really serve as i'm holding my place in this conversation i mean it it can probably to an extent and maybe it even does a lot of the time but for us i found that we use it a lot when we're switching perspectives and who we're talking about when we're telling a story so So, you and i uh Either one of us. So if I were to say, if I was talking about someone else, I might say he was like... And then I say like to say what he said or what he thought or what he did. Like gets to take the place of all of those things with one word.
0: Yeah. Are you saying like you and I as Abraham and Rhino have a tendency to do these sort
1: of things? Yes. Oh, okay. And I think other people do as well. Okay. But that's, I didn't actually look at what other people do. This is my survey of us, is that I will say like when I'm saying she was like, and then I was like, and then they were like, and it's always that past tense verb conjugation. Wait, well, I'll get into a second. And then like, and what that does is I say that whenever I'm switching perspective. Even when I talk about something inanimate, sounds and it, sounds like
0: it's very useful. Then though,
1: uh, it is it very is. It, it is useful. It it allows me to conjugate this the verb the same way without having to figure out what's the best verb to fit there, um, and that's actually a, kind of a different one. But I showed up. When we switch perspectives, another one, and this is actually what I was talking about, is when it follows verb con- conjugation, but it's specifically when it's the incorrect verb conjugation, and I'm supposed to have said something different. So, if I, the example that I came up with was if I say, he was like, that's a dumb thing to say, the appropriate way to phrase that is, he said that was a dumb thing to say, or even, what he said was, that's a dumb thing to say, and was was really not the correct be verb to use there was is not necessarily appropriate unless i add on to that what he said was but even then that wouldn't make sense is what he said was like you know that that would that sentence would be a little bit more jarring than just saying he was like and we're used to talking in that way and again it allows us to use fewer conjugations i i can sort of shorthand throw together a sentence
0: and so kind of how it's this point that different patterns, cadence, mannerisms of speech, like all of those are different habits that are adopted by the culture, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. So if I think that I've noticed people on the West Coast tend to use these slightly differently, and even in different towns and even in different families, it gets pretty small, you know, in whatever your little niche community is and that whatever it is you sort of grow up or you uh you're used to in the in the culture that you're in you tend to sort of adopt those habits and those tendencies and you're going to use them in sort of functionally similar ways to the people you're around and in this age of expanded communication that we have through social media and all of that it's I think is more likely to spread to other parts of the world that are more remote and where we don't necessarily have that same face-to-face contact but we still have the same approximate level of communication and for Mm -hmm. some people probably even more um, than they do with their people in sort of their every day to day life that are immediately around them and so yeah I guess really what this is coming to is that it is functional in that it serves a purpose in when you're talking and it mostly is going to exist inside of where you are at in your culture and your language development and it's going to get easier probably to do this the more you practice doing it and more difficult to stop it if it becomes so routine and habitual that that's just part of how you speak you know so another function that i found of saying of using these filler words is often in response to someone saying something to you and I don't have a, or someone saying something and I don't have a prepared answer, I might communicate, wait, I need to think about this, by just saying, uh, so you ask me, uh, hey, what are we doing after this? And I go, uh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I even land on, that's not really an answer, but that's- I One think, way that it can work is just the communicating the wait a minute I need to think about what I'm going to say next.
0: Yeah, I think an experienced person starts to talk about something that's relevant, and then they figure it out, and then they answer it. Sure. So they kind of cover it up a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and you can even it might even be filler or something that sounds something like, "Oh, that's a great question. I was thinking about it and.
0: Yeah, and that's an actually a cool example of how it's actually really similar, but it looks totally different. I can create this total filler response. Yeah, It sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Right, and It's totally good for you to listen to right now while I think of the answer and then deliver what you want to hear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Whew. That was fun. <laughs> but there's more. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, there's more.
0: All right. So let's dive into a little bit of the behavioral science view. Yeah. Of why we do what we do when it comes to... <laughs>
1: yes, we threw it in there. I think we missed <laughs> the last couple, but we're, cool. we're back. All right. So you want to tackle this one?
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of different things
1: it's you are getting you're avoiding it you're getting rid of it yeah and think that, avoidance yeah avoidance and that makes you do that thing more because it allows you to avoid that situation
0: yeah now another thing that i don't know the degree to which it necessarily plays but there was this concept of uh, response rhythm it's mm-hmm. kind of like your cadence and how fast you're going right she talked about yeah maybe is a
1: better word for it but cadence was um was what i meant the same thing as what you were saying
0: yeah and that has been studied a little bit okay and there it's not like the science is in on it but it seems to be that those things are used when you're not necessarily fluent, and when you're trying to kind of keep that rhythm going.
1: Um, yeah, cool. And then another one to um, so the, I guess that's, that phone. yeah.
0: So that's a couple things that I looked into, or kind of perspectives that I have on it.
1: Yeah, and there might even be some. So there's a negative reinforcement in avoiding social situations, and there might be positive reinforcement in that people have more captivated attention in that they're staying with your pace and you're speaking the whole time. But another question I had, just moving on to another thing I was thinking about is, do people even hear it when we do these these things, when we say these ums and these uhs and these likes? And there was that study that I found where what they showed was that a lot of people don't necessarily pick up on whether or not there's a distinction and how often it really occurs. They don't really attend to it that much, but that you do definitely hear it. So the simple question is, do people hear it? Yes and to that effect, it does depend on how often and how much they hear it um, and so what- if
0: it's, So if it's overly excessive, then I might notice.
1: Yeah, exactly right. They might, you might tune it out completely, but yeah, if it's happening a lot, a lot, that was a stupid thing to say. If it's happening <laughs> a lot more than normal, you're more likely to hear it. If you are probably in this episode, specifically listening for them to occur, you're more likely to hear them because you have that heightened sensitivity to it and you're more, you know, you're paying attention for that, that sort of thing. So another time that people might be more likely to notice it is if that those ums and uhs are, are uh, also occur with something that are, it really stands out. Like if you're speaking to someone face to face and they're saying um and uh and they have really bad breath, then every drawn out thing that they say, you're just, you're thinking, uh, it's so bad. Or if they uh, stutter in a particular way or they maybe pronounce it weird or there might be other things, anything that heightens your awareness of the of the conversation you're having is more likely to make those things stand out.
0: Yeah. And then the other one would be when you're kind of like rushed, right? Yeah. And you are you run into someone and they're like, hey, I need to tell you real quick. And they just pause that one, uh, yeah. for a split second. And you're like, come on already.
1: Yeah. You're on your way out the door and someone stops and they're like, wait, I have to tell you really quick. There was, um, uh, uh, let me, there was a, like a thing. Abraham, that, come on. You, yeah. <laughs> it's, you're thinking spit it out, spit it out. So, um, in those circumstances, you're also more likely to be really sensitive to when those are occurring. Um, But otherwise, it turns out that a lot of times we can just tune them out completely or at least they go to a very sort of dull hum. And that's also part of being in part of this culture where you're so used to hearing it and it's just part of how people talk that it doesn't play such a meaningful role in terms of how you interpret the meaning of a conversation or a sentence that someone was saying. So is this like a habit? Does it fall into a habit? It it shares a lot of similarities to a habit. And we specifically talked about how to deal with habits. And one of those things, at least one of those things, specifically applies here.
0: Episode seven was habits. Oh, perfect.
1: Thanks for linking that back. I couldn't remember which episode number it was. Cool, so one of the reasons that uh, some of the scientists hypothesized that this might exist is, or that it persists maybe, is not just the fact that there's this social awkwardness thing that you're avoiding or that it plays a role in the rhythm, but also that you're not even aware that you're doing it. And this goes immediately into this habit reversal thing we talked about because what was step one of habit reversal? awareness yeah it's just bringing awareness to it and so one of the things that is recommended from people who are experts in this is to really just get yourself aware of the fact that you're doing it and
0: there's a few different ways you can do that yeah I've had other people count and actually show me that yeah I've actually been in a couple presentations where after I presented Someone comes up randomly, that I don't know, and they're like, Hey, here's how often you said uh and um in your yeah. presentation. I'm like, Thank you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'll often I, actually do that where I'll at least count. I don't always tell people, but depends on how well I know them. And if I really, yeah. I, I tend to do it more for people I like just because I feel more comfortable talking to them about that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: you can do it other ways. You can record yourself, whether it's like video or audio, and you can re listen to yourself and see how those things go. Yeah, I have gotten very in touch with this when it comes to video editing because I'm getting into that more myself. So, I will quickly create my script so I don't have to go back. Um, I guess I've I've come in more in touch with it, in tune with it. Yeah. Whereas I don't as much on just the pure audio experience like this. I definitely do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I need to watch that more.
1: Even though I still do it. Yeah. So one of the, actually just what you just said, one of the big recommendations is specifically that you listen to yourself talking and it can be telling a story, it can be... Um, in a conversation you're actually having with someone and you just listen to it and then you record it and then you play it back and you listen for those times when you're using those filler words and things that don't really need to be there.
0: Yeah, it's a little weird at first, but it's so easy to get over that.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll get used to it pretty quickly. Actually, it doesn't take very long. And then the another one they recommend is next time there's a pause in a conversation where you would normally say, um, a, you know, just be present to the fact that you're going to say it and let there be a silence. It's okay for there to be a silence. And a lot of people who... Coach on public speaking and uh, communication say silence can be a really powerful thing, and so use it. Like allow that opportunity to just again use yeah. that opportunity to capitalize on the moment and let it there be the silence that's okay you can have that
0: yeah so one thing that i've seen especially like polished speakers is they actually plan out their pauses on right. yeah that's easy. a great point right or or their fillers like they'll actually like say i'm going to use a filler here mm-hmm. and i'm not going to here right?
1: right yeah 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 so that gets at the idea of you're not necessarily just getting rid of those things but you might replace them with something else And you might choose a filler that you're going to use. I actually noticed that for myself and probably people who listen to this have noticed also that I will say, and so, and those are sort of my (laughs) fillers that have replaced um and oh, and they just, they're more, they're actual words as opposed to sounds that just come out of my face that aren't words, but they are functionally the same thing. Yeah.
0: They are a fair replacement. Yeah. Yeah. They do the same thing.
1: Right. And another, the final recommendation that I saw was it takes a lot of effort to speak. And although I'm pretty loud, I know my voice is loud on here, I normally speak really quietly. And I think that when I'm speaking quietly, I do this a lot more with the ums and the uhs and the filler words in general. And so they recommend recommend that you just speak up. You project your voice because if you're having to do more effort, you're going to spend less effort trying to communicate those nonsense sounds. It would sound ridiculous if you're speaking really loud and communicating and then you go "uh" right in the middle of it. You know what I mean? So that's that's another one. So in
0: case nobody knew what you were talking about. Yeah,
1: I know. I like, I like the nice tangible examples. There's another podcast I listen to where someone's filler is and things like that and you know what I mean and so and they say it so much it's really distracting for me to to listen to that and just because I'm really sensitive to it and because it's very different from the other fillers that I hear yeah mostly they are those more standard ones that I'm used to and maybe it's because that's where they're from I don't know because I know they're not from the West Coast but
0: cool so does that leave us with kind of wrap ups
1: yeah I think that we actually hit most of what we wanted to talk about I I think this is an awesome subject I Oh, actually, you know what I wanted to bring in really quick, just as something. I was at a conference. It was like a mini regional conference maybe a year or two ago. And there was at least one person there who had done this project on public speaking. And they were training people to specifically avoid their ums and uhs. But their only treatment that they were doing with this, I call it treatment, their only training in that they were doing at this was bringing awareness to it and they didn't practice speaking without the ums and uhs. it was just highlighting this is when you do it and then making them watch videos of themselves after they did it and what actually ended up happening as a result of that is when those people spoke next they spoke in these halting sort of broken up patterns that were kind of hard to follow so people actually rated them as worst speakers after this intervention no way yeah no I'm I'm totally serious that because they were more broken up in their speech patterns and they weren't they were so focused hyper focused on avoiding those filler words that they allowed their speech to lapse into something that was almost something you couldn't listen to because it was so jarring and how they yeah. communicated it.
0: Sounds like there's another component that needed to be kind of added in there. Yeah, like, I think
1: they just missed a critical component of teaching them what to do and not just yeah. what not to do.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a good thing to summarize on real quick. If you want to replace it, yeah. If you focus just on what not to do, then you're probably not starting at the best place you could.
1: Right. There's so there's
0: always there's always going to be better results if you're focusing on like how to replace it, whether that's like scripting out a little bit more, yeah. and planning what you're going to say, or going with those awkward or not supposed to be awkward silences but that feel awkward from your perspective right,
1: right? yeah allow allow the silence to exist uh, I think a take on point that I want to make is just going back to this. There is a reason we do it. It does actually serve a function, and although they are filler words, they have a purpose in our conversation, but that doesn't need to exist. We could replace it with other things. We can also just be more deliberate about how we speak by practicing. So practicing what you're going to say, planning to have those fillers, have alternative fillers to use, and listen to yourself speaking. Simply practicing that... Very well, And I actually don't know. I I would love to see if someone's done some good research on this. But focusing simply on practicing your speaking and listening to it and using that as feedback and then doing that same speech again might actually uh, generalize to other places where you're going to do some speaking. I'd love to see if there's any good research on that. I didn't find any when I was looking this up, though.
0: Yeah. No, there's definitely – this would definitely be a fun area to really walk out systemically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, get some – so people who want to do some good research on this or if you have some good research, send it our way. We'd love to check it out. In the meantime, I think – you have anything else to wrap up on? That's it. All right, perfect. Well, let's go ahead and end on – if you are liking the show, if you appreciate what we're doing, if you want to get in contact with us, well, you can listen to the credits, but always – all of our stuff is at um – podcast or um, I think that's it that's it yeah yeah. and if also one thing that really helps us out we like to just do a big push on this if you like the show uh, we'd love to have have you leave a review wherever you listen to it if you listen on iTunes Google Play Stitcher SoundCloud any place where you can leave a review it super helps out the algorithm for people finding and listening to our our episodes and our podcast which helps us continue to do Uh, This show, which we really like doing. Continue to do what we do. Yeah. Almost gets there. (laughs) Almost there. Almost there. We already got one in this
0: episode. It's okay. So with that, thank you for listening to Why We Do What We Do. I'm Ryan O. And I'm Abraham. We are out.
2: You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by ABAI's Disseminating Behavior Analysis Special Interest Group and our amazing listeners. If you like what you heard, consider heading to our Patreon account at patreon.com/wwdwwdpodcast. Anything helps, and we are continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at wwdwwdpodcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to wwdwwdpodcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is Abraham, Ryan O, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at NogDesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Broussier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Brendan Bohr does our episode art. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.